0: Hello, welcome back to the PC Speaking Podcast. Certainly happy to have you as part of this. Today we are talking about the discipline of generosity, and this is our last installment in the series Discipline Now. And generosity, you know, we often say things like money isn't important, but the fact is, is that It is important. Money is very important. Even in church, we need money to keep the lights on, pay the bills, make ministry happen. Christians need money. And what we do with it is very important. Jesus talked a lot about things like violence and sexual immorality, heaven and hell. But the thing he talked about the most was money. And there are good reasons for that. Money can be a tool for worship, or it can be an idol that we worship. And in my view, where Christians have dealt with poverty and persecution in the past, the biggest danger we deal with today is wealth. If you live in a modern Western culture, you live in a very materialistic culture. Wealth is usually valued above all else. I think people feel that wealth is more important than wisdom. Culture believes wealth will make our lives better. It will make relationships better. Wealth is seen as a symbol of status that deserves honor and respect, regardless of how the person with the wealth might behave. That culture is part of every one of our lives. Whether you're Christian or not, that materialistic culture is part of who you are. Now, wealth does make things easier but it doesn't make things better. We often say or think we don't have enough or we think things are tight or difficult financially. Often what we really mean when we say that is we can't have or buy exactly what we want or we can't go out to eat this week. Because we live in that culture, it's part of who we are too. Culture is extremely powerful and for the great majority of Christians, culture has a far greater influence in shaping who they are, than biblical truth. And that's just reality. And that's the same reason people get upset when they hear a pastor talk about money. I think the first thing to do is to admit that we are materialistic, and that is a danger for Christians. It's something that holds us back in our walk with God. Even those of us who are not materialistic by... Western cultural standards are still pretty materialistic. That's the largest hurdle, I would say, for Christians to get over today. That's a weight we need to cast off. I think if the churches of Macedonia that Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 could see the world we live in, they would think we all live like royalty and be baffled as to why we are so tight with our money. As we talk about the discipline of generosity, there are... A lot of generous people in the world, and I don't want to downplay that, but I do want to explore what is possible, what the Bible describes as disciplined generosity, and what would it look like if we were to adopt that as Christians in our modern culture? Let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 9, and this is what they say as Paul writes to the Corinthians, moreover, brothers... We want you to experience the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. how in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty overflowed towards the riches of their generous giving. For I bear record that according to their means and beyond their means, they freely gave. Begging us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of ministering to the saints. This they did not as we expected. First they gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this gracious deed for you. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, in all diligence, in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove through the authenticity of others, the sincerity also of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty you might be rich. This passage is one that can be exciting and convicting all at the same time. And one thing you'll notice Paul uses terms like grace and freedom. When we talk about giving, the number 10% often comes up, a tithe, probably because the Old Testament uses the word tithe or tenth. So let's take a look at some Old Testament giving to clarify that a bit. Some Old Testament giving was required giving. Some of it was suggested generosity. I'll give some scripture references, but there are a bunch of them, and if I were to read them all, we'd be here all day. So you can write these down. If you like and look at them later, but I'll give a few scripture references as we talk about these things. This is just a very quick summation of uh, some different giving in the Old Testament. I've been reading about this in the past week, looked at some books and things about it, but there was the Lord's tithe, which was 10%. That was given before anything else. Numbers 18 and Leviticus 27 talk about it. That was given directly to the Levites to support their priestly ministry, This was 10% of all the produce and animals that established the temple and the ministry of the priest. And that is what was done first. In this particular case, this tithe was not an option. It was a requirement. This is the tithe Malachi refers to in accusing the Israelites of robbing God was this particular tithe. In addition to that, there was another 10% in Deuteronomy 12 that was often referred to as a festival tithe. This went towards religious celebrations and building community in Israel. On top of that, there was the poor tithe from Deuteronomy 14. This was given every three years. This was to help those who were poor, the widows and the fatherless. It was social welfare. But that was only every three years, so it worked out to 3.3% per year. That's 23% that Israelites were required to give. But also on top of that, they were commanded in Leviticus 19 not to harvest the corners of their fields or pick all the grapes from the vineyards. Again, that was to leave something for the poor. They were instructed not to get all they could out of their field, so there would be something for poor people. You know, As they gleaned, if they dropped some, they were to leave that behind so people could come and pick those things up, and the poor people would have something to eat. On top of that, there were other taxes from time to time. So in the Old Testament... God's people were required to give uh, at least 25% of what they had each year. Now, to be fair, these were all requirements, so they were not completely unlike the taxes we paid. They were required, so they weren't a tax, but loosely kind of a similar concept, I guess you could say. But it's at that point that we come to generous giving. It was after that 25% that generosity began, things that were not required. Maybe you've heard of the offering of the first fruits, and this was done on a completely voluntary basis out of love for God. An Israelite would bring the first part of his crop or livestock to God, not knowing what his yield for that crop was going to be. He would give it first, and voluntarily, he would trust God that the rest of the crop would be enough to meet his needs that year. There were also free will offerings. God called for free will offerings when He commanded Moses to build the tabernacle in Exodus 25. God said that from every man whose heart moves him, he would receive that contribution to Himself. And there was nothing specific about it except that it be given voluntarily from the heart. The response to that was so great that Moses came to the point where he actually had to tell people to stop giving. But whether the giving was voluntary or mandatory or, you know, voluntary for God's people, that's always been done from a place of overflowing generosity. And that's what happens with God's people. And that's how it works. And in the Old Testament, there were different types of mandatory ties and also voluntary giving. And now we come to the discipline of generosity in the New Testament. And in our passage from 2 Corinthians, Paul puts forth the churches of Macedonia as an example of what generosity looks like. They were in a place of extreme poverty, and it's their generosity that Paul uses as an example. Verse 1 and 2 says, Moreover, brothers, we want you to experience the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how in great trial of affliction... The abundance of their joy and their deep poverty overflowed towards the riches of their generous giving. So they were in deep poverty. This was more than not being able to go out on Friday night. Not only were they poor, but Paul also says they were in a great trial of affliction. Their afflictions were bad enough that it was like they were being squeezed by the surrounding culture because of their faith. It's like they lived in a pressure cooker. Deep poverty... And severe trials were everyday life for the churches of Macedonia. But out of that, the Bible says they overflowed towards the riches of their generous giving. Look at what else Paul says. For I bear record that according to their means and beyond their means, they freely gave, begging us with much urgency that we would receive the gift in the fellowship of ministering to the saints. They were generous in such a way that it was contrary to their means and to their way of life. It was, their generosity was so great that it seemed like it was more than really what was possible for their situation. The Macedonians were begging Paul, take the gift we're giving. We want to do this. We, We shouldn't be hindered in our generosity. And we learned from that that the ability to be generous has nothing to do with wealth. And that's good news for some. The biblical generosity is based on willingness, not dollar amounts. Being generous is a privilege and an opportunity extended to us, regardless of our financial situation. Now, how might we practice the discipline of generosity? Verse 5 says, This they did, not as we expected. First, they gave themselves to the Lord, and then to us by the will of God. The generosity of the Macedonians was the result of first giving themselves to the Lord. When you've already surrendered to God everything, giving something is easy. If you first surrendered yourself and everything you have to God, being generous generous is a natural result of that. That's where the discipline of generosity begins. It begins with surrender. Verse six goes on to say, so we urged Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this gracious deed for you. And there's a reason Paul is telling the Corinthians about the Macedonians and using them as an example. The church at Corinth, if you know anything about them, had its problems as all churches do. And Paul knew that they would never become what they could be until they learned to practice the discipline of generosity. A Christian will never become spiritually mature without this. You can't be a mature believer and not be generous. It just doesn't work. Especially in our culture, this is one of the hardest things for most of us. Some might say, well, I can't afford that. Neither could the Macedonians. Some will say, I just don't have the gift of generosity. This isn't a gift. This is a discipline. This is something everyone can do and should do. That's the point. Why should I be generous? Here's why. This is especially important to understand. Jesus said in Matthew chapter six that where your treasure is, your heart is going to be there also. Jesus is saying your heart follows your treasure. Wherever you send your treasure, That's where your heart's going to be. Jesus will never have your heart if he doesn't have your money. That's just reality. Jesus doesn't need your money. Jesus doesn't want to get your money, but he doesn't want your money to get you. Money can be a tool for worship, or it can become an idol that we worship. Now, if you're a secular person and you've listened this far, And you would like to break the hold of materialism in your life. This will work for you too. It's very counterintuitive as solutions sometimes are. But if you want to be rid of the nagging desire for more money and more stuff, be generous. If you're a Christian, you should be given a minimum of 10% of your income to your church. That's what you should be doing. If you are not a Christian or you think churches only want my money, then Give it somewhere else. Give it to someone else. I dare you to try this. Find a charity that you feel is worthy. Give 10% of your income away and see if it doesn't break the hold of cultural materialism on your life. The discipline of generosity breaks the grip of money and sets you free from the desire of always wanting and never being satisfied. That it breaks the grip of materialism on your life. If we don't practice the discipline of generosity, we'll worship the idol of money, and it will control us, it will stress us out, and we'll always feel that desire and need for more. It will take the place on the throne in our lives where God belongs. The discipline of generosity is how you break the power of materialism in your life. Jesus talks about money more than anything else, and if we are not generous with it, money— is a barrier to spiritual maturity. If you don't practice the discipline of generosity, you will be immature spiritually. It's not the only factor, but it's a very large factor. And if that steps on your toes, it's probably because you need to hear it. Jesus said you can't serve two masters. Jesus is the one who said all this stuff. So if it makes you angry, take it up with him. Culture tells us, All the time. You need more stuff. You need more possessions. If you want to be respected, you need a bigger house. You need more money. That is the substance of your life. That's what you need to do. But Jesus speaks to that in Luke chapter 12. He says, Be on your guard against covetousness. Life doesn't consist in the abundance of possessions. And it's easy to say, Yeah, that's right. I agree with that. But it's a different thing to put it into practice. And you put it into practice by practicing the discipline of generosity. Being liberated from the materialism of culture is found in the discipline of generosity. It sets you free from materialism and free to grow in your relationship with Jesus. And I suppose the next question someone might might ask is, how much do you give? How much of my income should I give away? And that's going to be different for everyone. But I will say this, if it doesn't affect the way you live, it's not enough. If If you don't feel it when you are generous, it it doesn't really matter. I mean, if you're giving up a cup of coffee or something a week, big deal. That's that's not going to be life changing for you. Um, and it's different for everybody. You take somebody like Jeff Bezos from Amazon. He's worth I almost 140 billion dollars, which is an, a tremendous amount of money, obviously. And he's given away 100 million dollars a few times to different charities, which is a tremendous amount of money. You know, that would be course changing in the life of those charities. But for him personally, that equates to about 0.7% of his fortune. Now, do you think that what he gave changed his lifestyle, even though it was in the hundreds of millions of dollars? Not even remotely. Didn't change a thing about it. Okay. That's that's not generosity. I saw a post on Instagram last night. About John Cena. And I followed up on this to make sure it was true, but maybe you've heard of the Make a Wish Foundation. It's a foundation that grants wishes to kids who are terminally ill. And John Cena holds the world record for granting the most wishes through the Make a Wish Foundation. And he has granted 650 wishes. I believe he's been working with them since 2002, 2005. So almost 20 years. 650 times he has dropped what he's done and he's gone and met some kid. He's their their most requested celebrity. Now that kind of generosity would change the way you live. 650 times is pretty amazing. Be generous enough that it changes the way you live. Do it joyfully of your own free will. That's how it's going to work. That's how you break the power of materialism. That's how you get that uh, that that grip of materialism out of the way to grow spiritually. You think about what Jesus gave up when he left heaven and became a poor earthly servant and did that willfully and what he gave up to do that. Giving is not something that makes you better than other Christians. It doesn't make you better than other people. It doesn't make you more right with God, but God does bless it. God will bless your giving. Jesus said, give, and it will be given to you in good measure. The measure you use will be measured back to you. Paul wrote, whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Now, some have abused these verses. There's always charlatans in Christianity that abuse these kinds of things and said, if you give, God will make you rich." This isn't prosperity gospel. That's not what we're talking about. God doesn't want you to be rich and healthy. He wants you to be generous and compassionate, and he will bless you for being generous and compassionate. That doesn't mean he's going to give you money, but it might mean you will be blessed with the contentment and peace of being free from the bondage of materialism. If we're honest, that's what we really want. I don't think it's so much that we want money. We just want to be free from the bondage of materialism, and we somehow think that more money is going to do that for us, but it's not going to do that. The only thing that's going to break the hold of materialism is generosity. Giving must be sacrificial. Being generous, it must be sacrificial. It must change the way you live. And what will do that, how much will do that, is determined between you and God through prayer. We talk about ties and 10% a lot. That's an okay consideration as a place to start. That's a place where people might start to notice a little change in the way they live. And Think about the Macedonians, though. 10% of deep poverty wouldn't be enough to do much for anyone. So they obviously gave well beyond that. And don't put it off until you think you'll be able to do it don't say well when i have enough money i'll start giving because the fact is is that time's never going to come the time to start giving the time to start practicing generosity is right now and you will find that that will break the hold of cultural materialism in your life and that's what god wants us to do he wants to be generous he wants us to be generous He wants us to be compassionate. Well, I hope you found that helpful. And if you know someone who this might help out, please share it with them. Follow the podcast. Share it around. I certainly appreciate you doing that. And I appreciate you taking the time to listen in. I'm grateful for you. And I look forward to talking to you next time. Have a great rest of your day.